Listener Production. Hey guys, Katrina Blowers here and in this episode we brief you on the Queensland fundamentalist Christian group that's been charged with the murder of an eight-year-old girl. I can say that all the 12 persons arrested today were aware of the child's condition, were present during the course of those six days um, at the Rangeville address uh, and did not take any steps to provide medical assistance to the child. So the group involved in this tragic death is called The Saints. They were based in Toowoomba, which is a city about an hour and a half west of Brisbane. Our new briefing co-host, Rihanna Patrick, will explain who they are and how this shocking story unfolded. That's in today's briefing. But first up, Eleanor Harrison-Dengate and I will bring you today's headlines. It is Monday, July 11. Nick Kyrgios has fallen at the last hurdle, losing the Wimbledon Championship to Novak Djokovic in a thrilling four-set match, ending with a tiebreaker. I was going to say, your first Grand Slam final here at Wimbledon, has it made you hungry for more? Absolutely not. I'm so tired, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, myself, my team, I think we're all exhausted. You know, we played so much tennis. So, Eleanor, confession, I did not stay up to watch this because I think it started at 11 o'clock last night, but I'm sure there's going to be a few bleary eyes around the office today. Uh, I would have loved to have seen it, though, because just for the pure theatre of it. Despite the loss, though, the two players are on good terms. Okay, it's officially a bromance. All right. <laughs> and, it, and it started on social media, didn't it? Because you had a little exchange and you offered... You said the winner yep. buys dinner. That's, um, that's, that's what I have. No, that's why you lost. <laughs> <laughs> this is Novak Djokovic's seventh Wimbledon championship win and his 21st Grand Slam, just one behind Nadal, and it was Kyrgios's first Grand Slam final. So despite that, it's the first time Djokovic has beaten Kyrgios the last two times they met. Kyrgios actually won. Myself, my team, I think we're all exhausted. You know, we played so much tennis, um, but... <laughs> I definitely uh, need a well-earned vacation after this one. Um, So I'm just really happy with this result. It's probably the best of my career. And hopefully, maybe one day um, I'll be here again, but I don't know about that. And one place we know Kyrgios will be is in a Canberra court early next month. He's facing one count of assault for allegedly grabbing his ex-girlfriend during an incident in December 2021. The charge carries a maximum sentence of two years. From today, anyone aged over 30 can roll up their sleeves and get their fourth COVID jab. Atagi's recommended Aussies over the age of 50 get it and said healthy people between 30 and 49 can also get boosted if they choose as COVID infections surge across the country and health experts strongly encourage mask wearing. So if you're keen, you can book it in at your GP or at a pharmacy. But if you have had COVID since your last booster, which I know quite a few people who've had that, uh, you'll actually need to wait three months before you can get vaccinated again. And more Australians are now eligible for COVID antiviral drugs in an effort to reduce hospitalisations. From today, anyone over the age of 70 can get a prescription, regardless of underlying medical conditions. Not only good for you, but it's also good for our hospital system. For too long, those medicines have been sitting on the shelves in warehouses rather than out in the community doing their job. Yeah, so that is good news and will add a, an extra layer of protection or at least peace of mind for a lot of people. Access is also being expanded for people over 50 with two or more risk factors for severe disease. 
Just as relations between China and Australia look to start thawing, Australian aid workers have been blocked from entering the Solomon Islands. Five Australian advisers have been denied visas, while six Chinese advisers have been granted entry. So this is after the PM Anthony Albanese stated what his plans will be when he meets Chinese President Xi Jinping at the G20 summit in November. Tell him that uh, my values uh, are firm, Australia's values are firm. Uh, I want to see uh, cooperation with China where we can. On seven there... Foreign Minister Penny Wong met her Chinese counterpart on Friday on the sidelines of the Foreign Minister's G20, which was the first such high-level meeting since 2019. China saying in a statement released yesterday that the deterioration of diplomatic ties over the last few years was because the Morrison government was determined to view China as an adversary and even a threat. It was quite interesting because he actually issued these sort of four demands that came out of China. Two of them were sort of pretty straightforward, seeking common ground, treating each other as partners. And then we had a couple that were a bit more interesting, which was China asking us to adhere to not targeting or seeking to control third parties, which might be a bit of a veiled Mm. reference to the US and the Solomon Islands, and also to build a positive and pragmatic foundation of public opinion, which doesn't really work when you have a free press. Yeah, well, hopefully Albo can find a way forward and a a new conversation and a new narrative uh, in that meeting in November. It certainly feels like the price of everything in the supermarket has been creeping up, but new research shows that it's not everything that is getting more expensive. So Deakin Uni has crunched the data for us from Coles and Woolies for 28 products going back to 2020. And while the cost of lettuce and broccoli has at least doubled in that time, with tomatoes skyrocketing too, the numbers have confirmed there's been no change in price for bananas, free-range eggs, canned tuna, red onions, sweet corns and carrots. You kind of got yourself a meal there, maybe not the banana bit, but add some rice. There you go. That was like my university meal of choice, tuna veggies and rice. Uh, Some groceries like apples, oranges, and get this, avocados are even cheaper. So it looks like uh, it's just lettuce and broccoli that's stopping young people from buying homes now. A leak to The Guardian of more than 124,000 files suggests how Uber broke laws, duped police and secretly lobbied governments between 2013 and 2017 when the company was rapidly expanding. In one exchange, co-founder of Uber, Travis Kalanick, dismissed concerns that sending Uber drivers to a protest in France put them at risk of violence from angry taxi drivers. He actually said, I think it's worth it. Violence guarantees success. Emails suggest it was part of a strategy that weaponised drivers and exploited violence against them to win government concessions. In a statement, Kalanick's spokesperson has said he never suggested that Uber should take advantage of violence at the expense of driver safety. The files also suggest the company had a kill switch to be used during police raids to stop police seeing data. Uber has acknowledged its mistakes and missteps and that the company has changed its practices since 2017. Rihanna Patrick is in with us in just a sec to tell us all about this Queensland cult that's been charged with the murder of an eight-year-old girl.
Hey, Rihanna Patrick here. As someone who lives down the road from Toowoomba, I got a pretty big shock last week to read the news about the group of 12 who were all arrested for murder of the eight-year-old diabetic Elizabeth Strews. Here's the police announcing the arrests last week. Earlier today, police executed a search warrant at an address at Harristown. Police from the Toowoomba Child Protection Investigation Unit, the Child Trauma Unit and Homicide Investigation Squad located 12 persons. Those 12 persons have been arrested for the alleged murder of the eight-year-old child. It will be alleged that the eight-year-old child suffered an underlying medical condition and was denied treatment for that condition. Given a court case is underway, there are limits to what we can say and we'll find out more throughout the trial later this year. But let's find out what we can so far. David Chen is from ABC Toowoomba and has been following the case. David, take us back to the start of this story in January when Elizabeth Strews died. What do we know about what happened? There was a call um, to the ambulance to attend this address in Rangel, which is a suburb in Toowoomba. Um, and when they arrived, um, they found Elizabeth Struis and she wasn't able to be revived. Police will allege that in the six days leading up to her death, that her parents, Jason and Kerry Struis, as well as the 12 members of this religious group in Toowoomba, knew about Elizabeth Struis' condition, that she had type 1 diabetes and that they denied her medical care. Her family is part of this religious group known as the Saints. I mean, who are this group? What do we know about them? Police alleging that this group believed in the Bible literally, that they believed that if you had enough faith in God, that he would uh, resurrect you after death. Um, That's, I think, one of the beliefs that we do know that they had. But otherwise, uh, very secretive. Um, When this group appeared in court this week, we found a little bit more about them. Lots of the Stevens looked the same. All the women were women with long black hair, straight black hair, and the men had beards. Do we know anything about their views on education or medicine? With the medicine, the allegations are that this group of 12, as well as uh, Jason and Kerry Strews, Elizabeth's parents, uh, denied her the type 1 diabetes medicine that she needed, ultimately causing her to die. So education-wise, we don't know too much about that. Um, we do know that Elizabeth went to one of the local schools here, a local state school, so she was sent there. The parents were charged first and last week 12 people faced court. But what do we know about the police investigation into the other members who were present around the time of her death? Well, we know it was an extensive investigation. Um, Gary Watts, who was the lead detective in this case, said that he'd, he'd never seen anything like this. He's not aware of a similar investigation in Queensland, let alone Australia. So a very intense investigation. We know that um, around the time of the parents' arrest, we, we were hearing whispers that the police were looking into these members, um, but nothing happened for about four or five months. And then we saw that mass arrest uh, at the address in Harristown last week. Um, It was an extensive operation. We know that there were 30 officers there on the day of the search warrant and when they arrested the the group members. So obviously a huge effort from police to investigate this. And and it just obviously sounds like a very complex matter as well, Um, just investigating, you know, whether denying someone medical care would amount to murder. And obviously police have come to the opinion that, yes, it does. Can you tell me about this group uh, when they appeared in court? Uh, there seemed to be a, a bit of confusion um, and, and maybe a, a, not an understanding of legally what they needed to have done. The first members, uh, they were very polite and curt. Um, you know, when magistrate asked them, do you want to seek legal representation? Right, And these were serious matters. That it was a murder case. 
you know, it was a very simple answer, you know, yes, no, no, thank you. And then they were done. But then we got to Zachary Struess, who's, I think, believe the Elizabeth's brother, when he was asked if he had any questions, it took him a while to think about it. But then he asked, you know, am I going to be held there for two months? Am I, am I being charged with any evidence? Um, and, you know, the magistrate had to tell him the process, you know, this is a murder charge, it's very serious, you know, the police have evidence, but it's not before the courts yet. This is what the process is. Do you want legal representation? And he was, he was quite agitated. He was saying, you know, it's two months of my life, I'm being kept in prison, you know, what's going on? And then, you know, the magistrate again asked, do you want legal representation? This is the process. The end, he just said, no, no, thank you. That was it. But then the next person was really interesting, uh, Brenton Stevens, who we believe is the leader of this group. He came in and he was so different from the others. You know, the others, his daughters, his sons, the other members of the group, they were very polite, very curt, simple answers, yes, no. But when Brenton St- Stevens came in, you could there was this confident, loud voice that you could hear. Magistrate asked, are you Brendan Luke Stevens? Yeah, that's me. We got into the legalities, you know. Magistrate repeated again, you know, do you want to seek legal representation? You understand these are very serious charges. He spoke up and said, it's disturbing that, you know, no justice is done. Why are, we, why are we being kept in here without bail? He was questioning the process. He was very forthright about saying that he thought this process was unfair. He was questioning, you know, why are we, why are we kept in here? I've got a child that I need to look after. Um, Magistrate kept repeating, you know, this is serious charges. This is the legal process. Would you like legal representation? And he was the only one that said, you know what, I'll speak to a lawyer. And he was the only one that spoke up and kind of deviated from the rest of the group. After that, um, we believe that a uh, duty lawyer did go speak to him, but he declined and is will be representing himself. But he was the only one out of the whole group that deviated from the script and went, you know what, I might speak to a lawyer. And he was also very... I guess, upset or, or, or angry about the process and said it wasn't fair. So it was very interesting in court just to see, I guess, the different dynamics from him and the rest of the group. David, how has the Toowoomba community reacted to this story? A lot of people in the community in Toowoomba are shocked by what's happened. Um, you know, type 1 diabetes these days is very treatable. There's definitely been a lot of shock and also a lot of curiosity, I guess. And Toowoomba's a very, it's a, regional town, but uh, it can be quite close-knit sometimes. You know, um, I actually live in the same suburb that um, these people lived in, Rangeville, and, you know, a lot of the streets you're on, you know your neighbours, at least you wave to them um, and you know their faces and know what they're up to. A lot of people are shocked and, and just curious as to what actually happened in those homes. David, Toowoomba is known as a, as a big Bible town, although that's starting to change. I mean, do you think the background of this community creates a backdrop for a hardcore fundamentalist group to evolve? Look, yeah, the latest census results were interesting. For the first time in Toowoomba's history, uh, the largest group was people that said they had no religion. Like uh, The majority still had a religion, whether they were Catholics or Anglican, but the largest segment itself was people who said they had no religion. So, I mean, that in itself is a big change for Toowoomba because culturally, you know, historically, it's been a big church town. There's a lot of churches here. Uh, there's a big Catholic population, a big Anglican population, and then there's, you know, um, Lutherans and United Church people as well. So that's an interesting backdrop as to, you know, how this town is shifting. But historically, there's always been kind of that fringe element that's existed in Toowoomba. Um, there was the Logos Foundation back in the 90s, I think, and that, they were a bit of a cult or a sect. Um, had who had fundamentalist views, but it's certainly changing now that um, you know there are more people here who don't have a religion, and it's uh, 
changing in terms also of multiculturalism. We're getting more refugees from, you know, uh, from Iraq, from Afghanistan, uh, who are Kurds or Hazara. So that that's also changing there too. And David, when do we expect to um, see that group that was charged last week back before the courts? Uh, well, firstly, Kerry and Jason Struess, who are Elizabeth's parents, um, they're going through the court process and been in the court process for a while. Uh, so they'll be actually back in court uh, later this month. Uh, but for the rest of the group, the magistrates ordered a, a full brief to be ready by the 10th of August and then they'll be back in court in late August and early September where we'll maybe hear more about what's happened. That was David Chen from ABC Toowoomba who's been following this story closely since it broke in January. And in tomorrow's briefing episode, we dive into UK politics. What the heck happened with Boris Johnson and where to from here? Listener.